um, and engaging beauty and how important it is for us to engage beauty and all that it does. Uh, we've talked about story. We've talked about why we engage the arts um, and, and things like general revelation and common grace and how God actually can grow us uh, through the arts. And then uh, Zachary, the last couple of weeks, he, he helped us think through things like how to engage the arts kind of broadly and generally, some categories and some, some principles that help us engage any kind of art. Um, and then last week, Zachary uh, talked specifically about plays. And so as he maybe mentioned, uh, the, the rest of the classes are going to be very specific. We're going to talk about you know, film today and, and television and then we're going to talk about painting, literature, and music, and, and how we see echoes of Eden in those things, and how we, our faith can, can help us as we engage those things. So my goals today in talking about film and television is to help us learn how to position ourselves to encounter God when we watch a film or television. I know that may sound like a bold uh, statement, but uh, if you remember a couple weeks ago, and, and you'd have to just go back to that class, we talked a lot about general revelation, and we talked about common grace, and how God can actually use things outside of the Bible to teach us and to grow us. And so there are profound ways that film and television, um, can, that we can encounter God through those things. And um, I think ways that, and then I, I, I use the phrase, position ourselves to do that. Because we often engage those things kind of unthoughtfully. And, it, and it's not that, you know, you have to be super thoughtful every time you do it. But I think it, it can be helpful to learn ways to engage these things, to get more out of them. Um, uh, one person I read, he talked about kind of a devotional watching of film versus a distracted watching of film. Uh, devotional meaning just kind of really taking your faith into it and, and asking questions about um, what this is teaching us, and how to apply it. Um, and so part of seeing this is just how, is seeing how film um, longs for and echoes the truth. Um, often it echoes the truth, but sometimes it longs for the truth. It, it maybe is teaching something that we would, um, through our, our biblical lens, say is, is not true. But at the same time, you can see, yet at the same time, it's longing for the truth. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about kind of three... Um, I'm going to view this kind of through three main elements of story. Um, Zachary introduced six elements of play, of plays last week, and a lot of those are also at, at play in, in film and in television. So I'm going to kind of focus first on plot um, and how we see Echoes of Eden in, in film plots. Um, and there's a, a book that, that Zachary and I both read that gives some helpful categories for that. Um, but also theme. Um, I think you used the word idea. Is that the word? Yeah. Would theme be sim same thing? Yeah. So theme. So plots and themes, kind of the bigger categories. Um, and then I'm going to talk about character development and how we see Echoes of Eden and character development. And we're going to use Toy Story as our example. And we're going to kind of walk through the movie Toy Story and, and what that teaches through character development. All right. So um, Echoes of Eden in film, plots, and themes. So you have, first of all, you have creation stories. Um, let me back up real quick. So um, 
Mike Cosper, his book, The Stories We Tell, it's, a, it's a, how, how film longs for and echoes the truth. Um, he kind of gives these ways that different films and TV shows really focus on different aspects of the grand narrative that we've been talking about in the Bible. And it's important to give as a preface, not every show, not every movie just nicely fits into one of these categories. Many of them just have elements of all of them, but there are definitely plenty of examples you can give where it focuses more on one part of the story than other. Um, and there's so many kinds of movies and, and, and film and television shows that we're just not going to be able to cover in one class. So you'll probably have plenty of examples uh, beyond what are shared today, but I think this is a good start. So you have Creation stories, one of the categories under creation stories is Paradise Lost. So what is Paradise Lost? It's kind of this stories about the idyllic worlds or harmonious worlds that collapse when they're invaded by outsiders, which if you, you know, think about Genesis 1 through 3, that's a lot of what happens. So Avatar is a big example of that where they're on this planet and, and these humans come and, and they, um, you know, they, they take over that world. Um, Last Samurai is an example of that. Um, Dances with Wolves is an example of it. Um, and then kind of an example of it is the movie Des- The Descendants. Has anyone ever seen The Descendants? No one has. I, okay, Brandon has. Nice. So I hadn't either, uh, but, but Mike Cosper, he, I, it, it sounds very interesting because it, it, it takes place in Hawaii and it really elevates the beauty um, and the kind of the... Um, the, the idyllic nature of Hawaii, and Hawaii becomes a metaphor for paradise in that movie. But then, you know, kind of the, the movie opens up with George Clooney, who's the main character, saying, you know, everyone thinks I live this perfect life in Hawaii. Um, but then, you know, the rest of the movie shows just how um, painful and broken his life is, even in this setting of Hawaii. And so it's just, Hawaii becomes a metaphor for um, creation and, the, and Eden, and then um, just George Clooney and his family's reality is, is experiencing brokenness after Eden. Um, and he, so it, it sounds like a great film. Um, Flipping the Fall is another kind of creation story. So Flipping the Fall um, is, is an interesting category I hadn't thought of before. But um, these are stories where they're basically trying to say that we shouldn't want to go back to Eden. We shouldn't want. We should embrace life now. We should embrace uh, the things of this world, which, of course, we would say as Christians, that's not what the Bible teaches, that we, we should long for the new heavens and the new earth. But these are stories um, where perfection and innocence is reinterpreted as something dangerous and naive. Um, and kind of like Satan's temptation of Eve, uh, sin is portrayed as enlightenment that God was withholding something good from Adam and Eve. Um, It's only in rebellion that we are set free. And so Truman Show is an example of this. I'm sure many of you have seen the Truman Show. Um, It's a a story about rejecting paradise in Sea Haven for the real world. Um, And there's there's plenty of, you know, interesting things in that movie, but Mike Cosper makes a, he asks a great question. He's like, what if they had made Truman Show 2? He said that probably would have been really hard, to do honestly, because as, um, I forget the, the name of the guy in the show, but as he's kind of, in Truman Show too, he would be in the real world, and he would be experiencing brokenness, and there would be a sense in which he might be longing 
for some of the, the wonderful things in the Truman Show that he was at. Um, and so I thought that was an interesting point. Another um, example of flipping the fall stories is Pleasantville. Um, so Pleasantville is, again, I have not seen it, but um, Mike Cosper was talking about it, and it sounds very, very fascinating. Uh, it's this story where um, Pleasantville is a show that they watch that's kind of like Leave it to Beaver. It's like this idyllic world. And the characters eventually get put into Pleasantville. And it's this place where everything, there's a lot of rules, and it's black and white. And um, the female character, played by Reese Witherspoon, she starts to be promiscuous in this world. And she sleeps with someone. And then she, be, she turns into color. And then it turns out anyone who, who starts kind of um, embracing kind of things like sexuality, which this world had kind of suppressed, they start to have color. And so there's this, there's this message in this movie, you could say as Christians, that life after the fall is better than life before the fall. Um, but of course, we would say that they get life before the fall wrong. But um, it's a really interesting story about how we need to embrace our freedom and rebellion. Um, there's an aspect of the Matrix that has kind of this flipping the fall where someone is... Uh, you know, de deciding to um, embrace this life of more, of, of, of free of, of struggle um, while being kind of enslaved to the matrix. And, and it, that's shown as a bad thing, to, to want a world where things are, are you know, uh, beautiful and perfect. All right. Another type of creation story is playing God. If you think about... Um, um, and I, I, this, this might actually fall more under a fall story, but he categorizes under a creation story of just this idea of playing God, which is what Adam and Eve eventually did. Um, and so it's this idea, the problem with this world is God. We need to take matters into our own hands and get perfection. Um, but then it talks about how in these stories, it talks about it backfires on us when we try to do that. So Frankenstein is probably the best example. There's a story written in the 1800s, but then it's, there's been multiple ways that it's been put into film where this character is created and then it starts backfiring on, on him. Jurassic Park is another example. Um, Tron is an example. The Terminator series is an example. Think about the villains in Spider-Man like Green Goblin or Mr. Octopus. It's these, they had these kind of idyllic hopes for um, and these, these good intentions and then it just kind of takes over. All right, so another kind of um, creation story is searching for love. So you think about the love story in Genesis 2 where, you know, God makes Adam go on this journey of sorts um, to find love, and he he's, he's names all the creatures, and then he's dissatisfied still at the end, and he's still longing for something, and God gives him um, Eve. And so um, Cosper talks about how, you know, Pretty much any rom-com ever, any romantic movie ever, um, has this creational theme of how we are, are longing for love. But you could also, you could also um, talk about shows or movies that, that really elevate friendship and the, the, the beauty and wonder of friendship. Um, and there's many sitcoms like Friends that, that show the, the, 
this kind of really idyllic sense of friends who love you through thick and thin, and, um, and there's, there's many examples of that. And then there's false stories. Some of them are exploring the idea of where did everything go wrong? What, what is wrong in, with this world? And, of course, Star Wars Episodes 1 through 3 are, ex- are exactly that. They're a story of what went wrong. Um, how did Anakin get to this? How did he become Darth Vader? Um, Prometheus is actually an ancient myth that, that explores what went wrong with this world, but it was turned into a movie 10 years ago of a similar theme. You think of the mythology of Pandora's box as kind of a similar thing of how did, how did evil come into this world? Um, then there's stories that try to um, investigate the complexity of sin and the fall. And Cosper, in his, um, his book, he has a, a very long section on Mad Men. And he calls Mad Men the show, the, I think it was HBO, show, AMC show, perhaps the most expansive meditation on the fall in contemporary culture, a show about what it means to be human in a fallen world. And so it just shows so many layers of how s- s- deceptive the human heart can be. Again, there, viewer discretion advised, like we've talked about many times, there, some of these films I'm showing may not be good for some of us to watch, but... Um, yeah, so bad men, complexity of sin and the fall. Um, and then there's also the category of frustration. So kind of Ecclesiastes stories, the meaninglessness of life. So um, one classic example is, is Bartleby the Scrivener, which is a, a, sh- a, a story that was written a while ago. But you think of the movie Office Space or The Office, even the show, where it kind of has these themes of the monotony of jobs and life. Um, those are actually based upon the, the, the original of, those were inspired by Bartleby the Scrivener, which, which explores that as well. Um, Mike Cosper talks about The Wire. I've never seen it. It's an HBO show, but he says that it's, it's very much, talks of, is, has an Ecclesiastes as a theme of just the wrestling with the meaninglessness of life. Um, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I have not seen it, but I've read a lot about it because it won Best Movie, Best Actor, Best Actress um, just a month ago. And, um, and I, from what I've read about it and I've, I've kind of read through the plot line, um, it's very much, you know, she, she has these options. It's kind of the multiverse idea. Um, some of the creators of some of the Marvel movies also created this movie, and she... She basically is able to go to these different universes and have different experiences. But in the end, and she's, it starts out with all these struggles she's having, running a laundromat, and um, you know, she has all these options to, to live in these alternate universes where things are, you know, quote-unquote, so much better. But in the end, she chooses the universe that she's at. Um, and it sounds like there's a lot of themes from Ecclesiastes that, that shine through in the movie. Um, and then there's also darkness and shadows. There's horror films. It's just fascinating how interested um, our society is in the supernatural and, you know, what is lurking in the shadows and um, how much that some of these things recognize that there is a spiritual world. Um, you think of paranormal activity is, is a really popular one. The Exorcist. Um, they specialize in highlighting our fear of what lurks in the shadows. And 
I'll just take this moment. There's a movie coming out next week called Nefarious. It's done by the people who um, did the movie Unplanned. And it's essentially a Christian horror film. Um, but it sounds like the, the creators of it are very, um, very accomplished. And, and I'm, I'm very curious what it's going to be like. It's, it's highlighting um, demon possession, the reality of demon possession. So, um, but Twilight Zone was an older show that then X-Files was inspired by. And X-Files, you know, is just exploring unexplained phenomena. It's, that's another example in sort of this darkness and shadows stories. Then, of course, you have redemption stories. Um, one theme under that is redemption through violence or vengeance. So True Grit is this, you know, this theme of like you, there needs to be some sort of payment to get redemption. Um, which, you know, we could spend a, some time showing how in some ways that is what the gospel is, but it's, you know, obviously the, the violence is done to God himself, which is the beauty of it. Um, the Dark Knight kind of explores that, um, redemption through violence. Any, any Tarantino film, not any, but many of Tar- Quentin Tarantino's films, you know, one of the themes of one of his films, Pulp Fiction, is that redemption only comes through violence. Um, I've never seen the show Dexter, but it, it sound, he was saying Dexter is, is another example of this. And then you've got, of course, hero stories, some of our favorites, some of the most successful stories out there. So hero stories, um, one guy a while back named, I think, Joseph Campbell, he wrote something called The Hero's Journey, where he sort of looked at all these different hero stories and kind of came up with just these categories that every hero story goes through. So you first have they are called away. They're, the hero is, and I'll give many examples of this, but the hero is called away, kind of has this task that they, they need to accomplish. They're tried and tested. They, they grow. They, they have different tests to get stronger and to show that they can do the ultimate task. And then they go into the darkness. They have some moment of where you think maybe all is lost. And then they come out of the darkness um, and then they, they are home again, all right? So uh, Frodo would be an example. How is Frodo called away? What's, the, what's, the, how is, what's that in Frodo's story? The fellowship. He's called away to the fellowship. Why? Right. But even more specifically, Frodo, he, he has, he's called to carry, yeah, to carry the ring from the Shire to Mount Doom, um, And then tried and tested. How is Frodo tried and tested? The weight of the ring, absolutely. He has to deal with um, carrying the ring is hard. He's also hunted because he has the ring. Um, And then uh, how does Frodo go into the darkness? Fellowship breaks. More specifically, though. What? Right. Right, he, he gets to the point on Mount Doom where he, and he, he but then he doesn't want to, and then, um, of course, Gollum comes out of nowhere, and he's the one who actually, but he ascends Mount Doom, can he let go of the ring? And then out of the darkness, he's thought dead, and the eagles rescue him, and he goes back to um, uh, the house of the elves that's escaping me, Raven, R- Rivendell, sorry, Rivendell. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know that. All right, and then he goes to the Shire, but then that's not even enough. He ends up going to the Grey Havens. All right, uh, Superman. 
Superman called away. So sent away from his planet to Earth by his dad. Um, and there's this sense of kind of his dad hoping that he can give hope to planet Earth. And then tried and tested, he's learning to be otherworldly while he's this normal kid from Kansas, supposedly normal kid, and, and just wrestling with that. Um, Into the Darkness, there are several renditions of Superman where he dies. Um, and there, you know, there are several ways that they've told the story where he rises again, even stronger. Um, and then he goes home as Clark Kent. And, and here, I love this quote about, um, about the, kind of the end of Superman from Mike Cosper. He says, Clark isn't just a way for Superman to hide from the world. He is also a vision of Superman's true identity. So Clark Kent. So this, this juxtaposition of this normal Clark Kent and then him being Superman. He's both an ideal man, uh, an ideal man and every man, which is to say that the ideal man is every man. We can entrust Cal Al, that's that's um, that's who originally came to Earth, who became Superman. Cal Al is his other planet name. We can entrust Cal Al with his near limitless power because he's also Clark Kent, the honest, humble farm boy from Kansas. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, and it just echoes the incarnation that Jesus was fully God and fully man. All right, Katniss in Hunger Games. How is she called away? She volunteers as tribute in the place of Prim. Um, she, uh, she fights for her life in the Hunger Games. She's tried and tested. She, she goes into the Hunger Games. Um, into the darkness, she prepares to commit suicide to spite the Game Masters. So she's willing to die um, but then um, the rules are eventually changed, and she and Peter are allowed to live after that. And then she goes home, returns to society as a symbol of rebellion and hope. Uh, Luke Skywalker, another example. So how is he called away? He's invited by Obi-Wan to learn the ways of the Force, right? Um, and in the battle, he's, you know, there's many examples, but one big one is the Battle of the First Death Star, that he goes through, and then um, into the darkness, his battle with Vader in Cloud City. Out of the darkness is where he has the battle with the Emperor at Endor, and then home again, you know, that, that great scene at the very end of the sixth film, he returns to the Alliance as a Jedi Master. Harry Potter, marked as a baby, the boy who lived, called away, tried and tested, books one through six. Into the darkness, meets Voldemort in the Forbidden Forest in his death, King's Cross Station, his resurrection, home again, he returns to Hogwarts, the defeat of Voldemort. All right, and so who's going to be the last column, of course, but Jesus, all right? Jesus, called away, incarnation, leaves the throne of heaven to become a man, tried and tested. I mean, there's so many examples you could give of him being tried and tested in his life. Um, his disciples and all the opposition he received. Um, into the darkness, the cross, out of the darkness, the resurrection that we celebrate today, um, of course, and every day. And then the ascension to the throne in heaven. There's so much we could else we could fill out, but I obviously didn't have much space. So, yeah, those are hero stories and how cool, how closely they resemble the, the story of Christ. Um. And then there's consummation stories. In Mike Cosper's book, he does not um, talk about this as much, unfortunately. 
Um, I think you could say that when he talks about Paradise Lost stories, that there's an element of consummation as well, of kind of wanting to go back to Paradise. Um, but one thing uh, you could talk about is the show Friday Night Lights. Um, it's about a football team in Texas, but it's way more. It's about way more than that. And uh, the show ends at the very end. There's this phrase that had come up quite a bit by this guy named Tim Riggins where he says, Texas forever. And the show ends where he's bought this plot of land. He's with his brother, and they're building their house on this plot of land. And they, they crack open a beer halfway through their work day, and they, you know, cheers their beer. They clink their beer jars, and they say, Texas forever. And the show ends. And there's this sense of this longing for this forever earthly home that kind of undergirds part of this show. And, um, and there's this, also this sense where the, the Riggins family, they are permanent. They, they are all in on Texas and this small town in Texas. But everyone else in the show is so transient. They're moving in and out, and, and things are changing. But the Riggins family, is, they're, they're there to stay. And this sense of Texas forever, um, you could say, is sort of this underlying longing for kind of this earthly home that is coming, uh, that is forever. But think of just all the alternative world creating. I mean, all the Marvel movies and such, um, I think, are echoes of our longing for consummation. Um, And, of course, happy ever after. (coughs) So, yeah, that's that's some echoes of Eden in um, plots and themes. Now we're going to talk about character development. Um... Echoes of Eden through character development. I think character development is, is such an important aspect of film. I think so many of us are drawn. Some of our favorite stories are stories that have excellent character development. And I could, you know, talk a lot about what that is and all the elements of it. But one of the big parts of character development is just watching a character grow through a story. And, and I think part of the reason that's so powerful to us um, is because we are a people who, who want to grow in our life. And, and you think about the Bible how it talks about we are to be imitators of Christ, but also even Paul talks about, you know, imitate me as, as I imitate Christ. And it, it calls, you know, men to be teaching younger men and women to be teaching younger women. And, and so the idea of learning and growing through example, through seeing someone else, uh, is, is obviously a very scriptural idea that, that we are um, called to. But I think when we get to see a character really develop in a positive way, um, you know, psychologists even talk about mirror neurons, that we are, are wired in such a way that we, it's very easy for us to, to imitate someone. So I think character development is a really intriguing way that films can be very powerful for us. <coughs> <coughs> so let's do this with Toy Story. Here's some questions. Um, some of this is from a book called How to Talk to a Movie. It's written by a Christian author on how to engage movies well. Um, and so he gives a ton of questions you can ask, which none of us are going to remember all these questions. At the end, I'll kind of summarize them. But um, I like the way Zach asks it, whose story is it? That's basically a question of who's the main character. So who's the main character? Whose story is Toy Story? Woody. Why would you say Woody is the main character? Who is, who is, is that? Oh, hey, Gideon. I was like, I can't even see you from here. I keep hearing a voice over there. Yes, it is, is, is primary, his struggle that it's talking about. What is, um, what is Woody chasing or trying to accomplish? What, is, what does Woody want? 
to belong. Is that what you said? He doesn't want to be forgotten, right? Any other thoughts? What does Woody want? He wants to be Andy's what? Favorite. He wants to be Andy's favorite. And why is he chasing that? Why does he want that? Because he loves being Andy's favorite. There is a, a sense of pride and dignity. And what does it reveal about him? What negative character trait does this reveal about Woody that he wants this so bad? Needy? Okay. Selfish? Yep. Um, just his pride as well. So what does Woody, what positive character trait does Woody need instead? What is he, what is he going to need to learn in this, in this story? Humility, exactly. He's going to need to learn contentment and humility to value Andy's love even if he's not his favorite. Um, so what does he need to do to achieve that character trait? He needs to accept his new role in the room um, and be nice to Buzz. All right? So that's, those are some questions you can ask after the prologue or, the, uh, you know, the, the elements of a film. There's the prologue. It kind of gives the setting, but then the problem is introduced. And here's some questions that can be asked at that point in the film. All right, whose story is it? And what do they want? What, a, what, are, what is holding them back from that? What are they going to need to learn to get what they want? All right, and then there's the rising action, of course, and Zachary walked us through these elements earlier in the class, but there's rising action. So there's some questions that we can ask during the rising action of a story. So what does the character do to try and get the thing that he wants? So what, is, what does Woody do in the, in the rising action of Toy Story um, to try to get what he wants? And remember, what are some of the things he does? It's mainly towards Buzz Lightyear, his his new enemy. He tries to show how Buzz is what? Is just a toy. He's not as amazing as everyone thinks he is. What were you going to say, William? He tries to get him to fall behind the desk. Um, and uh, behind the dresser. Tries to get him to knock him behind the dresser. And what kind of filmmaking, so you think about the filmmaking techniques that are used to show this. So Woody is frequently shown disgustedly watching Buzz do things for other toys. There's like this edit, through editing, there's this montage scene showing Woody replaced by Buzz. You know, he kind of like sees all of that. One interesting thing I had never noticed before is um, when, when uh, Woody is first in, the, in, the, in Toy Story, the angles that they show him at are kind of, um, lower angles, and they only show kind of the top half of Woody. He's just this larger-than-life character. Um, but once Buzz comes onto the scene and he's wrestling with his envy of Buzz, the, the camera zooms away from Woody, and he's kind of shown as toy size through that part of the film. And so it's just really, really powerful um, effects that they use to kind of give this sense of Woody going from this grandiose to this small character. Um, you can ask things like, what genre is it? The, the genre, um, you could say, of Toy Story is what's called buddy comedy, um, where two people don't get along, learn to appreciate each other, <coughs> and they become friends. Um, so what is the way this film uses its genre characteristics communicate to us about people in the world, that there is space for everyone? People have gifts and talents that may not be obvious at first. Everyone has a role to play. 
All right, and then, so now, the climax and resolution. There's also some questions you can ask about the characters to, to really learn from the characters. So at what point is the main character most hopeless? Um, what point is, is Woody most hopeless? He's, he's in Sid's room, and um, Andy's toys refuse to help him, and he thinks he'll never get home again. Um, so what object or dream has, has Woody given up at ever attaining at that point? He's given up giving back to Andy. He's giving up being loved by a kid, having a place where he fits in the world. What negative thing has Woody discovered about himself? He's discovered that status is fleeting. One moment you're on top, the next you're forgotten. You know, so this longing to be the favorite toy, that's a fleeting thing. So what happens that pulls him out of his hopelessness? This is what happens. See if you can get this toolbox off me. Oh, come on, Buzz. I. Buzz, I can't do this without you. I need your help. I can't help. I can't help anyone. Well, sure you can, Buzz. You can get me out of here. And then I'll get that rocket off you, and we'll make a break for Andy's house. Andy's house? Sid's house? What's the difference? Oh, Buzz. You've had a big fall. You, you must not be thinking clearly. No, Woody. For the first time, I am thinking clearly. You were right all along. I'm not a space ranger. I'm just a toy, a stupid little insignificant toy. Whoa, hey, wait a minute. Being a toy is a lot better than being a, a space ranger. Yeah, right. No, it is. Look, over in that house is a kid who thinks you are the greatest. And it's not because you're a space ranger, pal. It's because you're a toy. You are his but why would Andy want me? Why would Andy want you? Look at you! You're a Buzz Lightyear! Any other toy would give up his moving parts just to be you. You've got wings! You glow in the dark! You talk! Your helmet does that, that, that whoosh thing! You are a cool toy! As a matter of fact, you're too cool. I mean... I mean, what chance does a toy like me have against a Buzz Lightyear action figure? All I can do is... There's a snake in my boots! Why would Andy ever want to play with me when he's got you? I'm the one that should be strapped to that rocket. Listen, Buzz, forget about me. You should get out of here while you can. Buzz, what are you doing? I thought you... Come on, Sheriff. There's a kid over in that house who needs us. Now let's get you out of this thing. Yes, sir. 
I'm going to stop it there, but, you know, basically they, they get out. Um, so think about it. Um, Buzz reminds, so, you know, everything that Woody says to Buzz to get him more encouraged, um, Buzz is more subtle. It's more subtle towards Woody, but Buzz basically reminds Woody as well who he is made to be, Andy's toy. And um, that's sort of what helps pull Woody out of his hopelessness. And so through the rest of the film, Woody discovers it's good to be loved even if you're not the most loved. And love from friends is just as valuable as love from a kid. <clears throat> and so... Um, uh, yes, I'm trying to think of where I'm at. So how does the story resolve? Um, with help of Sid's toys and Andy's toys and moving the truck, in the moving truck, Woody and Buzz make it back to Andy's side. Um, and so, you know, there's, so many, there's, there's a lot of questions on my sheet that are not up here, but there's so many you could ask. But... Um, you know, you could then, a after a film, what does the film critique? You know, what does it value? What would you say Toy Story critiques? It critiques pride and needing to be the favorite. It values humility and contentment. And how does it demonstrate this? It takes Woody from the top of the pile of toys to being content no matter his status. All right, and so you could ask, what does your Christian faith have to say about that same issue? You know, there's, there's a lot of elements in Christianity that talk about, I think of the story of um, Peter and Jesus at the end of John where, you know, Peter's jealous of, of John and, and what Peter's, what's going to happen to Peter and, and what does Jesus say to Peter? What is that to you? You know, follow me. And, and there's, there's some overlap there of, of kind of what Woody has to learn. Um, and then, of course, Woody needs to learn how to value others um, and to see all people um, with dignity. And that's, of course, there's lots of aspects of Christianity that value that. Um, and so these are just some questions you can ask of a film that I think can, can make a film more, even more powerful um, and teach us some things um, in, in the spirit of the general revelation, common grace that we talked about several weeks ago. All right, any thoughts, feedback? We've got a couple minutes for working through all that. That was a lot. Any comments or questions? Yeah, Isaiah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. No, there's plenty of that. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, one of the books I was reading, he gives examples of just being able to have some gospel com- conversations with coworkers just through talking about film, you know, and having more thoughtful discussion of film. And Yeah. Yep. Right. Right. And kind of like Zach highlighted last week or the week before, just we need to be good at observing first before critiquing. Our, 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 our gut is, is to want to critique right away, and that is important. But I think this, some of these questions, it really forces you to observe, okay, what is there, and then critique. Um, We've got to make sure that we're very fair to what is being presented before we critique it. Um, yeah? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's often actually shedding it in a negative light. Yep. It's a great point. Uh, Zachary and I are close to landing on what film we're going to watch, but we invite you to a, we'd love to do a movie night. Anyone in this class invited, we'd love to just kind of practice this more together and have a Friday night film night. We'll probably just do it in here, watch a movie and discuss it. Um, and Zachary and I are, are really close to landing on, on film. I'd love to have been able to tell you which one, but we're, we're close, but we don't have one picked yet. It's kind of hard to, to pick one. Toy Story would be fun. Um, Zachary, any final comments? any of you care, this is the movie I'm most wanting to watch next. came out in 2019, Terrence Malick, basically a Dietrich Bonhoeffer story. Um, have any of you seen it? Any of you seen it? Okay. Gideon, you have. All right. So this is, this is the one I want to, it's three hours long, but I'm, this is, if you, if you are interested, this is what I'm wanting to watch next. All right. Father, thanks for this chance to gather. Um, Thank you for the, the resurrection that we get to celebrate today, and I pray that you, your spirit would help us enjoy and in worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.